Hello. Thanks for tuning in to the Palette Plug podcast once again. I am here still at Alliance Automation. Uh, we had a conversation with Chet earlier, and now we are sitting here with Jeremy Vogel, who is the... Uh, I'm the robotic pallet dismantler uh, controls technician, one of, one of a few here. Uh, I've been working on that project almost since its inception. Um, I was not the original guy, uh, Boyd Folk. It is his concept, his design. I call him the Godfather. <laughs> um, and then he handed uh, he handed the keys to Zach Converse, who is my current boss. Uh, and I worked under under Zach as a mechanical guy. I'm actually from a mechanical background. Just now dabbling in the controls aspect of it, um, but I've been doing the control side with the installation and being a part of the service and support uh, for about four and a half years. Um, awesome. So yeah, it's it's a great project. Super proud of it. Um, I, I like what they are, what they do, um, and most of the customers are are real uh, happy with the results that they've 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 uh, they've had with it. Excellent. Yeah. So let's let's get into it. What is the purpose of this machine? So the robotic pallet dismantler uh, works in conjunction with uh, manual dismantler. So the robot pick the operator introduces a pallet to the machine, uh, which does some measurements along the way, and the robot has a vacuum tool on the end of the the arm, uh, which picks the pallet up and runs it through a, a bandsaw. Uh, manually, well, uh, <laughs> using automation to dismantle uh, the pallet, uh, and the customer can reclaim that wood to either sell or rebuild pallets and put them back out in the world. So, um, yeah, it's it's mostly a recycling process. Uh, we don't want scrap, so uh, we've taken a process which was normally done manually, very physically intensive somewhat dangerous because you're interacting with a, a bandsaw yeah. in close proximity. And the original intent was safety, just moving the operator away from the bandsaw and letting the robot do do the work. Mm -hmm. um, so it, we've taken a lot of the, the safety factors out uh, or made it better and then made it less physically uh, requirement, I guess. Um, so it less uh, exhausting yeah. for an operator to just put a pallet on a conveyor and feed it to the robot. So that was the original intent. Mm -hmm. um, but now through just working through processes and, and focusing on efficiencies, um, I mean, we're able to cut potentially capable of over 100 pallets per hour, wow. which I don't know of many or any uh, manual guys that can maintain that uh, that throughput. So there's some that you know for five or ten they can beat my robot. Yeah. But it's throughout the entire shift. Right. So I respect every operator that is a manual dismantler. It's yeah. a job that you know it, it it's a specialized skill, and there's people that are very good at it. Um, but I'm like I say, I'm super proud of my robot. And most of the times, <laughs> I'll put one up against any manual dismantler guy, and I'll beat them. So, but they work in conjunction. Yeah. You know? um, there are some pallets that this system simply cannot run. Uh, they won't transition down the conveyor because it is still a powered conveyor. So that's the first okay. step of the process is getting a pallet to the robot. Yeah. Um, so if they don't transfer down the conveyor, I mean, 
They what, get sent to the manual guy. What are some of those pallets? Um, so it's not really so much a, a style. Uh, it's usually if there's not enough boards on the bottom of the deck to transfer down the rollers. Okay. It's simply just been somewhat destroyed. It won't transfer. Um, so that's somewhat of a limitation, and those will go to the manual guys. Mm -hmm. And then there's size restrictions. So the, the smallest that we cut is 30-inch square, and then the largest is 60-inches square. Okay. So there's there's some pallets out there that exceed or are smaller than those dimensions. And, yeah. again, those will go to the manual guys, and they'll tear them apart. So they, they work hand-in-hand, yeah. um, and they, they do a good job if you have – a couple manual guys doing what they do, and the RDS just gripping and ripping. I mean, they, they work they work side by side, and the throughput uh, is is always increased. So we try to get one RDS to do the the throughput of two manual guys. That's kind of our goal. Okay, so like one robot is to is equivalent to is meant to be equivalent to one two, two individuals. Yeah, pretty Sorry. close. Gotcha. Pretty close. Gotcha. And so like, what's the like, you know, if somebody was interested in looking into this thing, like, obviously you're not in sales, but what's the benefit to their business? What's the ideal So, uh, you know, the, the main thing, like I said, is is to focus on the robot's always going to show up, you know. And, and so it's, that was the other factor that, that led us down this path Yeah, is, you know, it, it's a tough job, and there's people that don't want to do it. I mean, that's the market all over is physical jobs are somewhat on a decline, mm -hmm. and that's why the automation is booming because the robot's more than happy to do the dirty jobs. Yeah. Um, and that's all that, pro, that robot is programmed to do is dismantle pallets, and it does a very good job of doing it. So if, if a customer is having difficulties uh, finding people that want to do that job every day, all day, and never break a sweat, never take a break, not call in, not call off, you mm -hmm. know, none of that stuff, that's a benefit. Um, or if they're just looking to process more, um, like I said, if, if they have the uh, area in their building and they want increased throughput, it's it's a good product to uh, offer, you know, to to get that. So they don't have to hire two more people to run the manual saws. They can hire one little robot, and it'll do the same. So <laughs> that's that's kind of the the benefits to customers, I guess. How much space does it take up? Got me on that one. Um, <laughs> I, I I I believe it's uh, thirty square, real close to that, thirty feet okay. square. Okay. Um, in that dimension uh, it could be a little bit wider a little longer and we offer different uh, layout configurations so i mean there's one in feed conveyor that feeds to the robot mm -hmm. but it can be orientated whether it's straight towards the robot off to the left off to the right uh, the belt that uh, pulls the materials out of we call it a cell mm -hmm. um, it will always have to be orientated the same way on the back side of the saw but that end feed can kind of change the dimensions of this, the, the layout. Okay. So like the way you guys have it out there, it's just straight, straight. but it could be, you're saying like kind of veered off to the right. Fed from the left or fed from the right. Gotcha. So yeah, there's actually some customers that uh, have different layouts and run one operator feeding two saws. 
So that's, what? I mean, we didn't even talk about that on increased throughput with manpower. Yeah. But yeah, one one operator feeding two saws more wow. or less quadruples potential throughput. So he's just going back and forth, going pallet, pallet, yeah. pallet. Wow. Or it's powered conveyor feeding and he just pushes a button. Wow. So yeah, there's, there's levels of making this machine, these machines, um, pretty substantially beneficial to customers if they have you know the footprint in there they're building to optimize yeah. their layout so yeah that's crazy and as the way you guys have it set up too it feeds directly into the badger system correct right? or is it the urban saw no that's a badger okay yep gotcha. that's a smaller design and so like normally that's that's the ideal situation right but it could oh, still 100 percent. so um some customers do not have you know the 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 building layout, or just aren't ready for a badger or an urban sawmill. So uh, I believe the intent is kind of with the badger, it's a smaller footprint, less throughput, can be fed with one RDS, one robotic pallet dismantler, and that would be a good process. Um, but an urban sawmill, it can easily outwork a single pallet dismantler, no sweat. Um, so there's urban sawmills that are fed by two, sometimes three robotic pallet dismantlers and wow. manual dismantlers. Um, I mean, wow. 20,000 boards a day plus uh, just steady, steady trimming those boards down, sorting them and, and getting them out. Um, but there are some customers that have neither on the backside and they manually, you know, have a sort table and they'll pull the boards off and either put them into what we call bunks, which are just crates uh, for whatever size, or they run them to a manual trim saw, which is what the urban sawmill and the badger replace. Mm -hmm. And they manually, you know, trim trim their boards down and send them off to uh, be used on repaired pallets for whatever their desired intent is. Gotcha. Wow. I didn't even think about the like multiple robotic pallet dismantlers and yeah. the train in which you can create with this whole system. Yep. What's yeah. some of the cool ones that you've seen or like might potentially be if you're allowed to share? A certain oh, I, I mean, I hope so. Um, <laughs> so uh, a customer in New York has three pallet dismantlers and two that I know, I believe he has two manual dismantlers feeding an urban sawmill. Wow. Uh, that's probably one of the larger layouts. Okay. Um, and then, like I had mentioned, there's a few customers that have uh, two uh, robotic dismantlers. Uh, one customer manually sorts the wood coming off of those dismantlers into uh, bins, and then their urban sawmill is in a separate building. Hmm. So they put it in the bunks. And then take those bunks up to the urban sawmill, dump the bunks onto the end feet of the urban sawmill, gotcha. trim and sort that way. And then the second customer uh, has the wood that drops off onto the end feed belt of an urban sawmill. So those two are tied together. Gotcha. Uh, this is our first badger. So there aren't any of those out in the field yet. Oh, but um, it, I think the design concept and, and um, allows for a smaller operation that doesn't need all of those boards that an urban sawmill can uh, can maintain. They don't need the two RDSs that are required to feed it. They can get a buy with one RDS, a smaller footprint badger, less cost, and still get their desired uh, results that they need. So I think it's a, a good product 
uh, for the smaller companies. Yeah, no, it totally makes sense. So like, what's the usual, like how often do you need to repair these things or, you know, get them serviced? You're the guy that does that. Uh, a majority, like I say, okay. I, I technically don't work in the service department. Okay. Um, but I, I'm always more than happy to go and, and help any customer in need, regardless of the issues. And because I've been a product, a part of these projects since the beginning, I, I know a lot about them. I've seen the ins and outs, especially coming from the mechanical side. You know, I did put them together. I understand how they work. Um, so. You, you, the question that you had asked is maintaining them. Yeah. So the simplest part is, you know, it it works off of vacuum. Hmm. And the downfall of that is these are pallets that have been out in the world getting dusty and dirty. Yeah. So as an operator, you want to try to minimize the amount of dust and dirt that gets drawn up into the tool, mm -hmm. you know, that can possibly contaminate it and make it dirty. So keeping the tool clean is by far the most important part of the operation running uh, efficiently. So, you know, everybody has roller conveyors. I'd mentioned that, you know, other co most customers have manual bandsaws. So our bandsaw is the same. It's just bigger. So that tool holding the pallet while it's being measured and running across that saw, you know, holding that vacuum through the process is is the most important part of this operation. So keeping that tool clean is where most of the maintenance needs to be focused on. Okay. Um, most of the times it's simply just popping out the, the dust that is accumulated in the, the ports of the tool and blowing those ports out. Um, occasionally they, they need to be rinsed out. Um, it shouldn't be something that is required every day, not even necessarily every week, but it really depends on what you've introduced into the machine that has been allowed to get drawn up into the tool. Um, so that's the majority of the maintenance is keeping that tool clean. Otherwise, I mean, it's a roller conveyor. There's a few bearings that need to be greased every three months. Mm -hmm. um, the saw spindles, uh, that's a grease point that needs to be greased every week. Um, every week. Okay. So, uh, from a maintenance standpoint, it's there's not a lot of whole not a lot going on. Um, consumables though, uh, the vacuum tool uses a foam pad to create the seal around the deck boards. Okay, and sadly, it's foam going against wood and nails. <laughs> yeah, and it again, if if the operator doesn't prep the pallet and remove potential components that can damage the foam. Sadly, it's not regenerated, and it'll tear the foam, which could potentially cause a, a leak in the, the vacuum seal, um, which the foam is replaceable. It's one big sticker. So most customers should get a week or two longevity uh, out of the foam. Oh, uh, not too bad, I guess, right? Like, well, I mean, you have to ask the customers. Yeah, you know, they, they don't want, ever want to change it, you know, but it, it, it is a wear item. Yeah. Um, so, it, and it does need replaced. Hmm. And then the saw blades, uh, same thing. It's a saw blade. It's going to wear out and, yeah. and break. Uh, our target is somewhere between 1,000 and 3,000 pallets. Okay. Uh, it really depends on the pallets. You know, if it's a hardwood, dense nail, or dense wood, hard nail, mm -hmm. it's going to be more destructive on the, on the blade and it's going to wear out faster. Where if it's soft pine and just, you know, a few little nails holding it, holding the pallet together, 
it, it, it won't work as hard and it'll last longer. So there's some customers that run over 4,000 pallets on a saw blade. It doesn't break. Wow. It's simply worn all the teeth off and it needs replaced because it's simply not working anymore. Yeah. So um, those are the two main consumables. Um, other things, there's some bearings that are inside the saw that the blade rides on. Excuse me, that'll... Uh, wear out over time and then the drive belts uh, the saw is belt driven off of a 30 horse motor and yeah it's a it's a v belt there's five of them and they'll wear out you know over months years Um, so those are the main consumables but the foam and the blades are by far the the two things that will be replaced most frequently uh, which will require you know weekly monthly maintenance gotcha and uh, you guys sell everything, right? Like they can, they buy everything through. Correct. Guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are a one-stop shop when it comes to uh, materials needed for the customer. I believe, again, I don't work in service. All that stuff goes through service. <laughs> gotcha. But there are, I believe, some customers that uh, have, um, I guess, like contracts, subscriptions, whatever, um, and they just get their monthly you know, oh, supply yeah. shipped to them. That's um, a good idea. So I believe that's how it works. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, but yeah, we, we do offer pretty much everything. Now, I also know that there's some customers that, you know, they're, they're more than free to shop vendors for anything that will fit on our machine. Hmm. Um, so if they want to contact their own foam suppliers or saw blade suppliers, you know, more, more power to them, you know, as, as long as they are happy with the results, I guess. Yeah, that's because I'm curious. I know of like a company that makes blades for the pallet industry, and I was curious if they would make something potentially down the line that would like work with your product, or like if they already do, and it could be you could try it. Like I'm, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? So we're not a saw manufacturer. We don't make blades. Gotcha. Uh, from my understanding, I think there's five different manufacturers that offer a blade that fix fits our saw. Okay. Uh, I mean, the blade's almost 32 feet long in, in circumference. So it's a very large blade. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, there, there are several manufacturers that uh, manufacture blades. Um, and then there's probably some other ones that I don't even know about that, you know, <laughs> Bob contacted his own guy and he's, he's got a guy, you know what <laughs> I mean? And whatever. So as long as they work. Yeah. So, That's a good point. Yeah. So, okay, consumables, we talked about that stuff. What, how does it, because I was like, okay, does it have vision? Is there, does it view things? Is it all like, okay, I'm receiving suction or resistance here? Like, how does it pick up? You know, okay. you said vacuum, right? Yep. But like, so, we currently don't use vision on this machine. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some sensors that will be used to measure the pallet as it transitions down the conveyor to give us our overall width and some other information. And then we have what we call our gauging system, uh, which measures uh, a deck board to give that information to the robot to engage at a certain height to what we normally remove the lower deck first and then start removing additional components moving up the pallet. So on a block pallet, the blocks would come off next, and then the next component would be a what we call what I call a connector board, okay. uh, which would be a block pallet. Yeah. Um, if there's not a block pallet, the next component would simply be the the stringers or the runners. Mm. So, no vision currently used for measuring of anything. 
there are some sensors mounted on top of the saw that after the lower deck has been removed, there's it's a, an array sensor, like a, a beam that scans across the length of the saw to make sure that the lower deck has been uh, removed so it can drop down and continue to remove components. Uh, if the lower deck hasn't been removed, most style of pallets will make a second attempt at the lower deck. And if after two passes it fails, it'll just say, hey, look, it, I tried twice, and it'll get rid of the pallet onto Belcaver. It'll go and most likely get processed by a manual dismantler. Okay. Or oftentimes they can get run back through as a different style or just prepped a little bit different and reprocessed. So okay. there's some options with that. Uh, but currently no vision. Um, but we have used vision like testing. Hmm. Um, and it seems to work really good. But vision, the two downfalls of it is it's somewhat expensive. Um, and putting a camera in a machine that has debris kind of flying around yeah, can cause uh, potential issues. Yeah. So I'm not against it. Um, I think it'll allow us to process pallets a little faster. Um, and currently there's a few styles of pallets that cannot be processed because of the construction mm -hmm. of the pallets. Uh, can I ask? Sure. So I call it a five-layer pallet. Um, hmm. I know the European industry, I, I, I think it's like a CP9, and then there's some other ones. And the, the, the reason is on the bottom of the pallet, it's a block-style pallet. So there's okay. an upper deck, a connector board on the top, and then a block. Okay. And then on the bottom, there's two boards overlapping. Hmm. So... With our current gauging system, I cannot differentiate where those two lower boards are, I so I can't I can't find the seam between those components. Yeah. So some of them can be processed as a different style, but it won't completely dismantle those two lower components. You'll likely get like a picture frame or something similar. Whereas if we had vision and I could see where those seams were yeah. or some other method of gauging those two different locations, uh, we could completely dismantle the pallet. So again, vision not necessarily needed and I don't foresee any reason why we'll travel down that path currently. Mm -hmm. Like I said, the machine runs, I feel very well with what we have, yeah. um, but it's, I mean, we use vision in other applications and we have people that are, plenty skilled in using it um but i, I don't for currently see a reason why we will on this machine interesting no and that's a good point like because when it's all approaching it you're kind of like does it just have this path and it's mind and it's like it just does the same thing every single time how does it know what kind of palette that's going through it like does it change its pattern based off of the different pallets that it senses that have gone through Like, how does that, can you break that down? Yeah, sure. So the operator uh, on the infeed side is, is the eyes of the robot when it comes to the styles of pallets. Gotcha. So the machine is programmed to process four styles, uh, a stringer, okay. which is three components, an upper deck, a lower deck, and a runner, uh, two block styles, which is an open block and a perimeter block. 
Um, they both look similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, perimeter block will have boards that run around the bottom, like a, a picture frame or a perimeter, mm-hmm. uh, where an open block, it'll just have boards that run parallel to the upper deck and an opening in between those boards. Okay. So no boards that I'll say run vertically. And then the skid, which will be an upper deck and a runner underneath that run perpendicular to each other. Mm-hmm. So it's just two components. Um, and each of those has its own programmed path, which I've kind of worked with that I feel to be most optimal on engaging into the saw and removing components uh, effectively and efficiently in the shortest time that I can achieve to process the most pallets in any given time. Um, There are some checks along the way that if you introduce a block pallet and you push the stringer button, it'll try to cut it as a stringer with the path that is programmed. Um, And if you run a block pallet as a stringer, what's going to happen is it's not going to remove the blocks from the connector board because it doesn't it, a stringer doesn't have blocks so it doesn't know any better yeah and it, it'll just rotate the pallet and it'll cut the connector board and the block off as one component okay. like a stringer gotcha um so there's there's no damage that can happen to the machine pushing the wrong button okay and there's actually some customers that do push the quote-unquote wrong button mm-hmm. Because they don't need that connector board. It's too small. So it's going to be trash anyway. Hmm. So they'll run some block pallets as stringers, get their lower deck boards. The pallet will be rotated and it'll drop down and cut those connector boards and blocks off as one component. They'll process faster, less wear on the blade, Hmm. and more pallets per hour. So, yeah, it's I call it the cheat code. Gotcha. Okay. Cool. So... Good. What other? I feel like we've talked a lot about the good, right? Are you open to talking about the the bad? What are the negatives? What are the you know? If somebody is considering this, what are some things that they might be considering that are like, you know, the negative sides of this product? Or uh, things I that mean, can go wrong the, with it. You know, the, what I mentioned before is is keeping the tool clean. Yeah. So there's 64 machines in in the field. Uh, and I get the reports of all of them. I can see the good kids and I can see the bad kids. Gotcha. Um, and so you're the principal. I I mean I'm not the principal. I, I just maybe I'm the principal. I don't know. I like that. I, I like I'm I'm using that now. Anyway, um, I feel that I can look at a report and know who is doing well at maintaining that tool. Gotcha. Keeping it clean, keeping it straight, and taking care of their machine, which ultimately should take care of them. Uh, I know the capabilities of the machines. I know what they should produce. Um, And if a customer is struggling, Mm -hmm. 99% of the time, it is because their tool is dirty. Gotcha. Sure, there's other factors that can be potential issues, but like I mentioned earlier, that keeping that tool clean is the the whole uh, the the most important part of the operation working. So, if a customer is struggling, mm-hmm. it's 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 
due to that. So maintaining that tool is the negative. It's where the customer needs to focus and understand and take the time to maintain that tool. Um, and it's it's vacuum, so it, there's potential to have dirt drawn into it. Yeah. So I feel that's really the only downside of the machine currently. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're working with another supplier on an upgraded tool. Uh, I don't want to speak a lot about it because it's really... Uh, just in its development stages, okay. uh, but I am optimistic, and if it works as intended, um, I think keeping it clean. No, cleaning it, not not necessarily keeping it clean, but cleaning it. The the time spent to clean it should be significantly reduced, um, which will be a benefit to anybody that would purchase a machine after. Uh, and possibly retrofit uh, existing machines in the field oh, now. Oh, cool. So it might be something you can throw onto the machine. Correct. Nice. Uh, but, yeah, I know that that's the hardship of any customer that has a machine yeah. uh, or that will buy one is the, the vacuum issues, but it's it's keeping the tool clean. And, and back to the consumables, mm-hmm. if the tool isn't kept clean, you start dropping pallets. When you start dropping pallets, it starts damaging the foam. And now you're you're wasting money on a consumable item that is being prematurely destroyed because the tool wasn't maintained. It's not the machine's fault. Yeah. It's it's an operator's issue. So, um, yeah, I, that's the downside. Uh, and it's fair. It makes sense, you know. And I think that that's like with anything. It, it's it's a machine, you know. It's the, your body is a machine the same correct. way. If you're not sleeping and eating and drinking water, like you're not going to be able to show up and work properly either. Exactly. So, exactly. you know, it's the exactly. same concept. You exactly. got to take care of yourself and your your product. Well, and this is in the same way, like see it as a person, you know, take care of it and it's going to do what you need it to do. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned person. So one of the things that I try to get the operators to do mm-hmm. is to name the robots. <laughs> uh, I feel it makes a connection. Like with. Keith- <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, Kevin, Carl. Yeah. We try to stay in the case. No, yeah. Uh, yeah, you're close. <laughs> no, um, but I, I mean, I, I feel it makes somewhat of a bond. Um, so yeah, yeah I, whether it works or not, I don't know. No, but I, I do try to get that them to understand. You know that they need to work together and. If they take care of it, it'll take care of them. It'll make their day a lot easier because it's easier to put a pallet on a conveyor, push a button, and let it go instead of pushing it on a conveyor, getting it hung up on a saw, and now you got to fish this broken pallet off the saw yeah. all day. So a little bit of time spent on that tool will go a long way in the long run. Well, and I think that's a good point because, like, we think automation and we think, like, oh, it's just going to do itself, right? It's just, I don't have to really pay that much attention to it. But these machines still require human intervention and interaction and so like you still have to have that care and attention to maintain this thing that you don't want to run it into the ground and i mean it's a lot of money that you're paying for these things so yeah i think for the most part i I don't know of any uh, of alliances intent on any machine on removing of people it's making people more efficient and more effective and safe. Safety is definitely the top priority. Yeah. So yeah, instead of using the person, you know, to just manually dismantle, 
he still needs to be the operator and now he's just got to take more time and, and, and address the, the cleanliness of the machine. So yeah, you're, you're still going to need human interaction at some point, somewhere along the way for sure. Excellent. Awesome. You think there's anything else? I feel like we cover a lot. I feel like oh, I could talk to you all day. <laughs> well, hey, so. I mean, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to see. It looks like we're at like 32. Okay. Um, I I mean, I feel like I've I've asked the questions I could think cool. of. Is there things that you might want to? Maybe somebody who's potentially interested in this product. What are some questions you would want them to have answered? Um, I guess the biggest thing that I try to get across is understanding or being realistic with their expectations. Um, That's a good point. So, you know, I know the capabilities of the machine mm -hmm. uh, with, you know, over 100 pallets potential uh, per hour. Mm -hmm. um, but some of those factors that go into that calculation is, you know, that number is based off of a style of pallet, the stringer pallet, mm -hmm. which only has three components. Uh, as much as I want to, I can't dismantle a block pallet fast enough to achieve that 100 pallets per hour. Whereas a skid, which doesn't have a lower deck, yeah. I can process in 14 seconds. Wow. So, you know, that's way above the 100 pallets per hour, but we don't say that number. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know, so the, 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 the 100 pallets per hour is, is off of stringers. Well, you know, this, the, 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 purchaser the customer you know looks at that 100 pallets per hour and my guys are working an eight hour day so the machine should process 800 pallets right well no because your employees you know schedule for eight hours but they take a half hour lunch and two 15 minute breaks and they clock in at six but they don't get to the machine till 6 15 and we still have to clean this machine like we have to clean all of our other work areas so Ultimately, you know, we're really not running the machine for eight hours. We're really only running it for six and a half, you know, with everything else that's broken out. Mm -hmm. So there's there's that kind of issue. And then it's only going to process pallets that it has to process. So if your operator isn't supplying pallets to this machine, it's not going to cut them. So when you're not getting your six, 700 pallets that the machine is capable of, you're only getting your four or 500, it's simply because a machine didn't have a pallet to cut. So you have to be realistic with your goals and, and understand that your operator needs to supply the machine with pallets and the people on the backside need to, you know, do what they have to, to process the wood that's coming off the back. Uh, this thing just wants to cut pallets apart and it does a very good job doing it. So there's always a steady supply of wood coming off the back end. And if you're stopping the machine because the people on the backside can't keep up, um, you know, that that's where the badger might come involved or, you know, a USL or something similar that can process the wood faster. So you don't have to stop, you know, the, the robotic dismantler from, from working. Gotcha. So that, that'd be something that, you know, I, I'd like, I do try to, you know, talk to any potential customer about, um, and then of course the, the maintenance issues of, you know, it, it is, it is a machine that uses vacuum yeah. We're sucking up dirt and there's potential <laughs> to have it dirty. Yeah. So that's, that's one of the biggest things to, I try to address. But, uh, ultimately I think most of the customers that I've interacted with are, are happy with their purchase, I believe. Um, and the, the ones that aren't, you know, it is my goal and I believe Alliance's goal to 
work through any issues that they have because uh, ultimately their satisfaction is, you know, what what will be the advertisements to future customers because word of mouth, you know, travels way further than any online ad that we can supply or any, any ad in a magazine that we can do. So, yeah, um, I appreciate you coming in. Uh, <laughs> so glad me. for everybody that came through yesterday. Yeah. I think it was a pretty cool turnout. I don't know if it'll be an annual event, but man, I, 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 so. I, I know it's not a party, but I'll say I like the party. <laughs> and, uh, I think everybody had a good time. Yeah. Um, I did get to interact with a few potential customers, hopefully answered their questions and, you know, put some of their concerns at ease. Um, and I look forward to working with anybody, uh, you know, that, uh, is in, in the market for buying one and uh, of course you know help helping out any uh current customer that we have so perfect are you on linkedin people find you on there i'm not okay uh, no problem yeah i lay low if they, <laughs> if they want to contact me the 800 number through alliance just ask for jeremy mogul uh i'll be i'll be happy to help out you got an but, email here and everything yeah too. jay mogul yeah. at allianceautomation.com that's probably the best way to reach me find so. you there cool so yeah. i'll be sure to plug that in there for you cool um thank you so much i really appreciate hey, you it was a pleasure the time to thank talk you with so me, very much chat the uh the robot and hear all the cool things about it so yeah thank you i really appreciate it i'm gonna end this episode thanks for tuning in if you have any questions or comments feel free to write them in the comment section if you're on youtube or feel free to shoot me an email if you have that as well kyle at palletplug.com feel free to call alliance if you want to talk to jeremy maybe pick his brain ask him some questions bother him a little bit call him jeffrey or other names because he's been doing this thing with me while i've been here calling me different names so <laughs> it's very much appreciated All right, man. i appreciate it thanks everybody yeah, take care